Well, good morning to you guys. Good morning. Let me know if you have ever said this. Thank you. Um, let me know if you have ever said this before by a show of hands. Has anybody ever said, I wish I had just a little bit more time? I wish I had just a little bit more time in my schedule. Or how about this one? I just don't have enough hours in the day to get it all finished. Anybody else ever guilty of saying that? Or how about this one? Just kind of a, a complete fill in the blank. I would like to do whatever. You know, you can fill in the blank with whatever you want to, but I just simply don't have enough time. Many of you probably relate to that. If you're a fan of Steve Miller, the Steve Miller band said that time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future, right? Dr. Seuss asked the question, how did it get so late so soon? And Ferris Bueller famously said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop around or so don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. See, I come to the realization this morning, as I'm sure you have at some point in your life, that we have a limited amount of time. We have a very limited amount of time. And the last time I checked, we're not going to get more of it than has already been predetermined by God. The, what has happened has already gone by the wayside. And so you and I are now here. In this moment, in the midst of this life that the Lord has called us to live, and the reality is the time that God has given us is a time that has been set by him. And so our hope and our prayer is this morning that we would walk away here with just a deeper understanding of how we can leverage that and how we can maximize that and how we can use that for his benefit and for his glory. So I thought before we begin this morning that I'd give you a little bit of statistics, a little bit of research about how we actually use our time. And this is according to the United States Department of Labor, the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Every so often, they will do what's called an American Time Use Survey. Yes, this is a real thing. So the U.S. government commissions this every so often to where we will discern how people actually use their time. What are the ways that we actually use our time? And you're going to go ahead, you can go ahead and cancel your Netflix because this is a website that is full of information. And you can go find how people in the Southwest ages 18 to 24 spend their leisure time. Okay, I mean, so it's just a wealth of research for those of you that like statistical info. But what I'm going to give you are just averages. So these are what it says on average that Americans spend their time doing. And so the average, uh, the average is going to be based on people ages 15 all the way up to those who are much, much older than 15. And so this is just the averages. Some of you are going to come under this. Some of you are going to be above this. But in terms of personal care, personal care is everything that you do to take care of yourself, which includes sleeping. The average American spends nine hours and 35 minutes a day doing those things. Some of you guys are like, I haven't slept close to nine hours in, you know, 14 years of my life. I don't know where those statistics come from. Uh, work and work-related activities. The average American spends three hours and 35 minutes a day on some work-related activities. Some of you guys spend 12 to 14 hours on your day. What's included in this number is everybody who's 14, 15, 16 years old, those who, those who have retired, you know, whatever the case might be. So it's averages. What about this one? Leisure activities. That's sports, TV time, screen time. The average American's spends five hours and 14 minutes a day on something leisure related. So we can just go ahead and say that we are a people group that like to have a good time, right? We like to have leisure activities. We on average spend more time doing that than we do on a work-related activity just across the board. In terms of that last one, there was some research that was released recently, and it's, a, it's based on an app called Rescue Time where they polled 11,000 users of this app to see how they actually spend their time. And what they found is that on average, Americans will spend three hours and 15 minutes a day on their phone doing something on your phone, whether that's talking, whether that's social media, whether that's watching videos, whatever the case might be. Some of you guys just did a, a massive 
you know, like, man, I, I spend like seven hours on my phone a day. So, you know, so I'm glad, I, you know, I, I'm glad to hear that the, that the average is so low. And reality is you're going to fall somewhere in the middle of all of that. You're going to fall somewhere in the middle of all those stats. But one thing that we know with a very high degree of certainty, and you don't have to be an expert to realize this, we all have 24 hours in our day. We have seven days in a week. We have 52 weeks a year, 365 days a year, with the exception of a couple leap years here and there. And the most leveling truth, the most basic truth that we have to understand about time is that we all have the same amount of it. Presidents and CEOs of companies have the same amount of time as college students do. In fact, the lady who sits in the corner office on the 16th floor of your building has the same amount of time as the intern does working in the basement. So when is the last time that you actually stop to evaluate whether or not you're utilizing those 24 hours in the best possible way that you can? I'm excited about this series that we're leaning into specifically today and in the weeks to follow as we're seeking to evaluate and leverage those areas of our life, not just for our benefit, but for God's plans and God's purposes. Over the course of this series, we're going to talk about our education. We're going to talk about the platform that we've been given, the resources that we've been entrusted to, the privileges that you and I have received. And we're asking God to do something really meaningful in each of those areas. But today, we're specifically going to start by looking at the time, the time that we have and how it is that we can use it best for God's plans and his purposes. I'm so grateful that you're here. I'm going to ask you to pray with me as we dig into God's word together today. Lord, thank you for meeting us here in this place. I'm thankful for each and every person who's here. And I pray a huge player blessing over them. I pray that today would be encouraging and motivating and that you would challenge us through your word to maximize the time that we have. And it's in the name of Christ that we pray and ask all these things. Amen and amen. So when you hear the word leverage, I'm sure that there are a number of images that come to your mind. Leverage at the most basic level is to use something to its maximum advantage. If you were to look up the definition, that's in essence what leverage means. And so you and I are going to leverage a lot of things in our life. If you're going to invest money, you're going to leverage your resources to the maximum amount that you can. You're going to meet with your financial planner and you're going to say, here's the amount of money that I want to invest. Please leverage that so I can get the maximum impact for those resources. If you have a friend who has season tickets to something that you like and you don't have season tickets to said thing, You might try to leverage that relationship so that you stay on their radar so that if they ever have tickets that come available, they don't forget about little old you who doesn't have tickets. Or maybe you have tickets that harp in the nosebleeds and they have tickets on the front row and you think to yourself, you know, maybe if I stay close to them every so often, that that relationship can, can leverage for me to get something Maybe it's a little bit nicer than than I am. And so whether it's something that's done from a purely, you know, altruistic reason or, or selfish reason, whatever the case might be, to leverage is to maximize. To leverage is to maximize. If you like to take notes, I'm going to give you some notes that you can fill in the blanks today. To leverage is to maximize. But see, the key difference in all of this is we're not talking this series and we're not talking today about leveraging things for our own personal benefit. We're not talking about leveraging things based on what I can get out of it. But rather, we're talking about leveraging for what God wants to do, and that's a totally different perspective. That's a totally different angle that we're going to take this morning. And so to leverage, we have to maximize the things that the Lord has given us, including our time. Now, Paul was not silent on this. The Bible, of course, is not silent about this. In fact, to the church in Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 and 16, this is what Paul said to the first century church. He said in verse 15 and 16, to be very careful then, 
how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Paul says that there's a couple ways that you can live. You can live as a very unwise person or you can live as a wise person. And if you want to live as a wise person, one of the things that you will do is you'll make the most of every opportunity. You'll maximize your life. You'll live for maximum impact. You'll leverage the time that you have. See, wise people, Paul says, make the most of it. And so if you and I want to be wise, we have to seek to leverage the time that we have. Now, you've probably heard this phrase before, but if you don't own your schedule, your schedule will own you. If you don't have time held in its proper perspective, it will quickly set an agenda for you that may not be an agenda that you're comfortable with. And so this morning, we're going to look at this passage of Scripture to kind of better understand how we approach these seasons that we're in, how we approach the time that we have, and how we are to respond to these situations that we find ourselves in, and ultimately the perspective of God's timing in the midst of all of this. So Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 through 11, really is going to set the stage for us, and it's going to set the platform for us to understand how we leverage and maximize the time that we have. And Solomon, who we're noted as one of the wisest men who ever walked on the earth, reminds us of these truths in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, starting in verse 1 from God's Word. There is a time for everything, and there is a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to the end. This is a really interesting passage of Scripture. In these 11 verses, and what these 11 verses show us are these what's called a couplet, and a couplet is any of these phrases, a, a time to be born and a time to die. That's considered a couplet. It's this phrase, of a time to do this and a time to do that. In fact, there's 14 of these in these 11 verses, 14 of these statements of a time for this and a time for that. Now, what we can see, though, according to this Scripture, is that there is a time and a season and an hour and a response for every situation in life. In fact, there are going to be times in life when my the most basic appropriate response that I can have is to cry. And there's going to be moments when I laugh. There's going to be times when I should speak. And there's going to be times when I should keep my mouth shut. Now, if we could all just understand that one, you know, that would do us a whole lot of, uh, you know, that would, that would move us down the field in the right direction if we could just kind of keep that verse on our mind at all times. But something interesting happens in these little phrases, in these little couplets. And you may have noticed this before, or maybe you noticed it for the first time today, that they, in essence, balance themselves out. They kind of level out the playing field, and they remind us that life is going to have some ups and it's going to have some downs. And when you have some ups and some downs and you kind of weigh them all out, life kind of has this kind of steady balance to it to some degree. For example, it says in here that there's a time to plant and there's a time to uproot. If I were to go to Lowe's this weekend, which I go to Lowe's every weekend between the months of March, April, and May, uh, so you'll find me there every Saturday. I was there yesterday. And if I'm at Lowe's and I buy six plants— 
and I go home and I plant those plants and there's six plants there. But let's just say next week I decide that six plants that I have planted I don't like anymore and so I uproot those. What's my net gain on plants? Zero, right? I mean, I have, I have really gained no plants because I've put six in the ground and I've uprooted six. And what he is saying here, what Solomon is saying here is that there's going to be a time when you sow and there's going to be a time when you reap and at the end of the day, it kind of levels out. In fact, there's times to mourn and then there's times to cease from mourning. And what Solomon is ultimately saying here is that God is doing something that you and I can't fathom. It's in verse 11 specifically that he has made everything beautiful in his time. He has set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to the end. See, there's a time for everything under heaven, but the reality is God is the one who is just sovereignly working all this out. And what God is showing us in this passage is that he is the one who's in control of everything. He's the one who puts you in the seasons of, that respond to mourning. He's the one who puts you in the seasons of challenges, but ultimately he's the one who is in control and he is orchestrating everything. And at a core level, our ability to leverage time, our ability to maximize our time is going to be largely contingent on whether or not we understand that God's the one who's in control. Because when we understand that God is in control, when we understand that God is the one who's orchestrating my circumstances, when I understand that God is the one who's taking me through these seasons that cause me to laugh sometimes and to cry sometimes and to scatter stones and to pick up stones, to invest, to save, to give, whatever the case might be, when I understand that God is the one who's orchestrating all of that, then it ultimately helps me to understand how I use the time that I've been given. Have you ever been in a really dark season of life and thought, where is God in the midst of this? He was there. Have you ever been in a really celebratory season and thought, yay, me, I don't need God in the midst of this? And see, he was the one that was orchestrating that as well. And so how we respond and how we use our time is so critical for us to understand, first and foremost, that God is the one who's in control. See, when we grasp God's sovereignty over everything, we'll really best understand how to respond to everything. When we grasp God's sovereignty over everything, we will best understand how to respond to everything, meaning that we will understand how we are to use our time and how we are to respond to those things. That's why in verse 1 he says there's a time for everything, and there's a season for every activity under the heavens. So see, we've got to maximize it. We've got to make the most of it. Now, this leverage language specifically might be new language for us, and it might be something that we've never thought about specifically in terms of our time. But to answer that question of why do we have to leverage our time, see, we have to leverage our time because we are bound by time. That's one of the key principles that you've got to understand in this series is that we have to leverage our time because we are bound by time. See, all of those situations that come up in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, those are all going to happen in our lifetime. That's not a pre-life, that's not, that's not the post-life kind of thing. This is happening in the midst of our days, and we have to leverage our time because we're bound by time. Now, how do we know that we're bound by time? We know that we're bound by time because God tells us that we're bound by time. Now, a lot of us like to think that we are immortal, and we like to think that there is never going to be an end to this life, but Scripture certainly reminds us time and time again. In fact, I, I would venture to say that many of you have been reminded maybe in the last year, that life is short. You've lost someone that's really important to you, or there's, um, you know, there's, you've experienced the loss, or maybe there's somebody in your life right now that you're, that you're, you know, kind of 
struggling to, to know where is God in the midst of all this, and you know how that feels. And it serves as this great reminder for us, if we'll listen, that we have to leverage our time because we're bound by it. Now, Psalm chapter 39, verses 4 and 5 tells us this truth. Show me, Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting my life is. You have made my days a mere handbreadth. See, handbreadth truly means the width of your hand. That the width of my hand is what my life is really like. The span of my years is as nothing before you. Everyone is but a breath, even those who seem secure. Now, let's compare this to God. Is God bound by the same time that we're bound by? Absolutely not. 2 Peter 3.8 says, Do not forget this one thing, dear friends, with the Lord. A day is like a, say it, thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. So in God's economy, a thousand years are like a day, but in our economy, we're a hand width. <laughs> this is what you and I have. It's one of those many things that makes us different from God is that we're bound by time. You had a beginning. You're in the middle right now. Congratulations. You're stuck right in the middle. And you have an end. And you know what Scripture tells us about that end? Actually, not a whole lot. It tells us it's coming. It says that some verses say, you know, if you make it to 70 or 80, then, you know, you've, you've done well. And then we're also promised, though, no tomorrow. And so when is our end date? I don't know. My end date might be tomorrow, and so might yours. It might be 50 years from now. I almost said 100 years. If my end date is 100 years from now, call Guinness, because, uh, uh, you know, I, I have found the, the, the fountain of youth. But the reality is we don't know when the end is coming, but is it coming? Yes. There will be a time that man is appointed to die, just like Solomon reminded us. So, see, we tend to not leverage our time because we forget that we're bound by it. If I were to give you a couple situations and a couple options, tell me which one of these you would prefer. Let's just say, for example, that you're going to be marooned on a desert island. You're going to be stranded on a desert island, and I've got, I've got two choices for you, okay? Option A is while you're on this island, you have a satellite phone, you have a year's worth of gourmet food, you have lodging, you have clothes, you have necessities, you have housing, there's actually somebody there to provide your medical care. So that's option A, Okay. Option B is you have sticks, a few morsels of food, a couple flares, a volleyball, and some of you got that joke, and nothing else. I mean, this is Survivor minus the TV and Jeff Probst, okay? That's where you are. Which, which of those are you going to choose? Most of us are probably going to say, you know, I'll choose option A. But if I'm stuck over here in option B, that's going to radically change how I respond to this situation, isn't it? Because I realize I have a very limited amount of resources to make this work. I have a couple flares. I've got to make sure that I shoot those flares at the appropriate time. In fact, I'm probably going to speed that up because I have a very short amount of food and that's going to run out really quickly. I'm going to feel some urgency to try to get out of this situation because there's a lot of boundaries. There's a lot of limitations. See, choice A, sign me up for that, right? I mean, kind of sounds like a nice vacation to me. Uh, you know, you're providing me lodging, and, I, and I'm over here, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm marooned on a desert island, but it sounds kind of nice and, and appealing for a little bit. See, when it comes to time, you're totally bound by it. You have a certain amount of limitations that you don't even know all of the limitations are, and as a result of that, you don't have any of it that you can waste. 
you don't have time that you can just squander and flippantly throw to the wind because according to Psalm, it's fleeting. It's like a breath. Now, not with our sovereign God. Because see, with God, his thousand years is but a day. So we have to understand our boundaries. And when we understand those boundaries and we understand those limitations, friends, it should impact the way that we live. It truly should. In our hearts, we should not walk away the same as a result of what we're talking about today. But it should help us to to understand how we need to maximize or where we need to maximize or where we need to leverage more. But in reality, I would be the first to say that in the knowledge of the fact that I have limitations, in the knowledge of the fact that I'm bound by time, in the knowledge of the fact that, that God is sovereignly orchestrating all of this and I'm just trying to respond to all of it, in light of all of that, we still take time for granted, don't we? In fact, we take time for granted even though we are never promised more of it. We take time for granted even though we are never promised a second more of it than this specific moment. See, time is the one thing that we're not getting any more of, and we take it for granted. Some of you guys are saying, oh, there's a lot of things in life that I'm not getting any more of, and I'm not ever getting any more money. There are banks popping up every day that would love to give you a loan. In fact, you can go online right now and apply for a lot of credit cards. I don't encourage you to do this, but if you just kind of wanted something to get a new pair of shoes with, you can find it. You can always find more money. So you say, well, I could never get a different job. Yeah, you could. There's lots of jobs. It may not be the one that you want, but there's lots of jobs that you could get. You know, I don't really like my house. I can never get a different house. Yeah, you could. I don't really like my hobbies. I don't really like my friends. Well, you know, you could trade them in for somebody else. Don't do this. You know, don't look at your closest relationships and trade them in just because you don't like them. I don't advocate that you do that, but you could if you wanted to. There's really an unending supply of a lot of these things, but when it comes to time, not so much. We have this predetermined set amount by God. So our question that we have to ask ourselves is, are we doing it or are we leveraging it or are we squandering it? See, I'd like to take, um, I'd like to take uh, you know, uh, a, a few moments uh, to, to lean into a, a specific areas here of our life where we might not be leveraging our time to the extent that we need to be leveraging it. See, from a, from a spiritual perspective, um, that question at hand is, have you, you know, made that decision to uh, follow Christ? From a spiritual perspective, are you leveraging the time as God would desire for you to leverage it. Some of you are sitting here this morning and you've not made that decision to follow Christ. And my question to you is, what are you waiting on? For some of you, the Lord's been asking you to take a next step and you've been squandering the time and you've been saying, you know what, one of these days I'm going to get baptized. One of these days I'm going to take that next step. Or you know what, next year I'm going to do that. Next year I'm actually going to go through with that specific situation. In the most loving way that I can say this to you, I hope that you have a next year. I hope that you have a tomorrow. And I hope that you have another day. But friends, we're not promised that. James 4.14 reminds us of this truth. In regards to people worrying, see, there was this group of people that were worrying, and this is what James says in that specific situation. Why do you worry? Because you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. Why do you plan for all these things? Because what is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Doesn't it give you a little bit of a gut check that the Lord reminds you that your life is a mist? 
that it's just a small mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. So see, there's some spiritual next steps that the Lord might be asking you to take. How about when it comes to sharing the gospel with someone? See, for some of us, we've been waiting far too long to take that next step of reaching out to someone else about a faith journey. We've been waiting for the right time, and maybe we've been waiting for several years, and in our minds, the right time has just not come up yet, but yet, in reality, the right time could be now to take that step of faith and to go reach out to someone who doesn't know Jesus and to share with them the hope and the life that is found in him. What about when it comes to family? Are you squandering time with your family or are you using it in a purpose and a plan that would be edifying for God? Now, I am unashamedly a family guy. I love my family. That is the most important thing in my entire life. And there's not a close second to that. They are my priority and my agenda centers around them. And I hope it does for you as well. Uh, and I will unashamedly, as long as I ever have a platform, champion family and champion those moms and dads in the room and champion those husbands and wives in the room and those future husbands and wives and those future moms and dads. I will always be an advocate and a champion for you because the job that you have is so hard and it's so challenging. And they, it does not come with a manual, does it? It doesn't come with an instruction book on what to do in each of these situations. But yet we need to not squander that time. And we need to not squander the opportunities that the Lord has put in front of us to maximize and to leverage the family that he has given us. In fact, I want to do a little illustration this morning to help us understand that. Some of you guys are like, is he going to wash dishes up here for us this morning? No, but I have for you a jar. And in this jar is 936 marbles. Now, 936 is a, is a significant number. In fact, 936, some of you may have seen this illustration before, but 936 is if you're a parent, this is the number of weeks that you will have with your children from birth until they turn 18. So from the minute that they are born, that first week of their life, all the way until they turn 18 and they become an adult, this is the number of weeks that you have with them. And so, well, this illustration would be great if I could get the jar open. Here we go. So this is week one. They came home from the hospital. This is week two. Nobody's sleeping. Nobody's sleeping. Still nobody's sleeping for several weeks, okay? And so let's just say, let's, I'm just guesstimating at this moment in time. Let's just say that there's like 52 marbles that I just put in here. So now this is how, much, how many weeks I have left with my one-year-old. So here's another year. So that's now how many weeks I've left with my two-year-old. Anybody here have an eight or nine-year-old? Anybody have one? Some, several of you guys do, okay? Just trying to get about half of the jar. So this is how much you have left with a nine-year-old. Wow, it's kind of going fast, isn't it? Anybody have a 17, 18-year-old in the room? Okay, a few of you guys. Tissues are now making their way through the room for this illustration. Um, I'll throw a few more in there to get us back up to 52. So if you've got someone in your house that's nearing adulthood, then this is about the amount of weeks that you have left with them. And when you see this, you probably think to yourself, wow, that jar emptied in a hurry, didn't it? That, that jar really emptied in a hurry. I remember when we had our children, my mom said to us, the, um, the, the days will be really long. And 
their years will be really short. And I thought, oh, she doesn't know what she's talking about. Wow, she was right. Those days are really long, but those years are really short. And I give you that illustration this morning to just simply serve as a reminder that you and I can squander the time or we can seek to maximize it and we can seek to utilize it to the best of our ability because, see, we're not promised any more of it than we get. Or how about this one? Just another illustration for you. And I want to give you a, a clarifying one on this illustration that this is, uh, this is not my commentary. Okay, so I'm not giving you any commentary on what you should or feel about this or should not feel about this. I'm just going to do a math problem for you. So it's really dangerous when I'm the one doing a math problem for you up here in the room. So somebody in the front row is going to need a calculator to check my math on this. Okay, so we're going to do a little math equation for you. And uh, this, this illustration is the number of weeks times the number of days in a week times the number of years, and that's going to equal the time missed in days, okay? Apologize for my writing. So what we're going to do is just show you, just from an equation, how much time you will miss in the life of your family depending on how much time you're away from home. Again, am I telling you that if you travel for work, you're a bad person? No. Am I telling you that if you only that you have to stay home 24/7 with your family? No, I'm not telling you that at all. It's just a math problem for you to kind of see what this is. So, if I'm gone one week a year, how many days are there in a week? 7. And let's say I do that from birth to 18 years of age. So, for 18 years, I'm gone one week for 7 days times 18 years. That is 1 126. That's what I thought. Perfect. Let's just say I'm gone 2 weeks out of the year for seven days for 18 years, 252, okay? Three years times seven days times 18 is 378, is that right? Okay, how many days are there in a year? 365, so we're gonna stop right here for a second. Again, not commentary. Purely math, if you are gone three weeks out of the year, 21 days, for 18 consecutive years, you will miss an entire year from birth to 18. Now, do I do this? Yes. Do some of you do this? Yes. Some of you have figured out how to be extremely present when you are present. Kudos to you. Some of us, we... We're at home all the time and we're not present. So I'm not offering you commentary on this. I'm just saying it's just a gut check. It's a math problem. And a math problem that will help us understand how we have to leverage our time. Because if we're not, if we're not sensitive of the schedule, the schedule will eat us for lunch. And we'll end up missing so much, not even realizing that we are missing so much. And so my point of doing all this is, again, not to make you feel bad. If you travel for work, please don't go quit your job. That's not what I'm telling you to do. I'm telling you to be present when you're present and to lean in to your family when you're with them and to make the most of those opportunities. What about serving? What about the spiritual step of serving? Some of us have been waiting a really long time to start serving or to go on that mission trip, and we're thinking, you know, when I get everything lined up, that's when I'll go. Or when I can find the perfect trip that has zero risk, 
because that exists. When I can find something that's zero risk, then that's when I'll step out and go on one of these JMI trips that he's been talking about. Or guys, how about this one? You, some of y'all have been promising your wife for a really long time that you were going to take her on a trip. And you've not done it. Shame on you, okay? Ladies, tell him. When I, tell him when you get home today. The pastor said, take me on that trip. So we're going on Priceline right now. You know, we're, but isn't it crazy how we wait? We think that there's going to be a tomorrow for those things. And I, I, I'm just trying to speak to myself as much as I am to everybody else in the room this morning for us to realize that time is really short. And we have to maximize it. We have to leverage it. In fact, there's a lot of people in your life that mean a ton to you, and you've never told them that. And you think to yourself, you know what, it would be weird for me to text that person, I really appreciate you. Or it'd be weird for me to say as a conversation is ending, you know, I really love you. Thank you for the impact that you've had on my life. We like the idea of doing that, don't we? But yet the reality is sometimes we think, oh, it's going to just be really strange or really weird if I say that. But someday I'd like to have the opportunity to actually tell those in my life how much they mean to me. See, with an understanding that life is but a mist and a vapor that appears for a second and is gone, you and I should walk out of these doors today and we should reach out to the people in our life that have positively impacted us and we should let them know it. We should end our conversations by saying, thank you for the difference that you've made in my life. You know what? I wouldn't be where I am today without you. And I'm grateful for you. See, we can start living this way. We can start living with this understanding that God's in control of everything and we can stop living like people who think that we have an endless amount of time to do it all because it's just not true. We have a limited amount of time, and so my hope and my prayer is that we start living according to God's standards. Now, what God reminds us as we wrap up today, what God reminds us is that what actually happens when you live this kind of way, what actually happens is you become a wiser person. It's why in Ephesians that he says that to not live like the unwise, but to live like the wise, making the most of every opportunity. See, wise people make the most of every opportunity. Wisdom comes in your life when you realize just how limited your time truly is. Wisdom comes in life when I realize just how limited my time truly is. It's why the writer of Psalm 90 verse 12 says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Did you catch that? What did it equate wisdom with? Did it equate wisdom with getting a PhD? No. Did it equate wisdom with financial prowess? No. Did it equate wisdom with tons of knowledge? No. Did it equate wisdom with living longer than everybody else? No. The writer of Psalms equates wisdom with the ability to number our days. And what does that phrase, number our days, mean? It means that we're taking every day, realizing that we have some number of them that God has set and that God has determined, and we're seeking to leverage each and every one of those days for maximum impact. So my question for you this morning is, what do you need to do? Where are those areas that you need to grow in wisdom? Where are those times or those seasons of life that you can leverage your time a little bit better? Because once we can figure this out, Scripture says we actually become a wiser person. That we walk through this life with a deeper sense and a greater sense of wisdom because we realize my days are really numbered. And so I want to use them to the maximum impact. Not only where are those areas, but most importantly, what are you going to do about it? What needs to change in your life today? Uh, what is that decision that you need to make for Christ today? What are those areas in your family that you need to reorient 
off the things of this world into the things of God, what are those steps that you're going to take? I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. I simply want to pray for you that God would give you wisdom and discernment and understanding to do um, what he's called you to do and to maximize the areas where he's seeking you to grow, seeking to grow you to become more like him. And I pray that wherever those areas might be surfacing in your life right now, that you would have the, the courage and the understanding and the, the ability to take those next steps. Lord, thank you for um, meeting us in this place. I'm so grateful for each and every person who's here. I thank you for the time that you've given us, and I, I'm grateful, Lord, that even in the midst of um, our taking time for granted, that you still give us day after day, You've given us today, and I, I pray that we would use it, um, use it for your impact, that we would let those people in our lives know how much we appreciate them, that we would share the message of the gospel with those who are hurting, that we would invest in our family, and that we would not allow the trappings of this world to set our agenda, but, Lord, that you would be the one who does that. We're so grateful for you meeting us in this place and pray that you would be honored with the life that we choose to live. And it's in the name of Christ that we pray and ask all these things, amen and amen. At the end of our service, as always, uh, if you'd like someone to pray with you, if you'd like someone to just kind of listen to what's going on or to, to simply, um, you know, help in whatever way that we can to, to, to pray for you as you seek to reorient your life around leveraging the time in the way that God would have you to do it. I, I hope that you'll just stick around and have someone, our staff or our leadership teams pray for you. At this time, I'm going to ask our ushers to come forward. And this is an opportunity for us to continue in worship by giving. If you have a prayer request or a card that um, David had mentioned that you would uh, hand that in the, the, the basket at this time as well. Lord, thank you for um, this opportunity to give. Thank you for all the resources that you've entrusted to our care. I pray that we would be faithful to do what it is that you've asked us to do and that we would be people who very open-handedly live our lives and ask you to take and leverage everything that we have for your name and for your glory. And it's in the name of Christ that we pray and ask all these things. Amen. Hey, Rolling Hills Church family, it's a joy to be with you today just to share an update on what's happening with our For the Kingdom initiative. You know, I'm standing here in the Naxos warehouse, and this is the place at our Franklin campus that we're going to be expanding into. And you can see that they're breaking down and getting things ready to build out. But we're going to be building out, you know, children's space for fourth and fifth grade and middle school and high school space as we continue to reach the next generation for Christ. We've been working with architects, we've been drawing plans. And so all this construction is going to be starting now and over the next several months through the summer, you're going to see some of these things coming online, and it's so exciting. Also, for our Nolensville campus, we have had some great conversations with some people locally, and we are looking at some good possibilities. So continue to pray there for a permanent home for our Nolensville campus, but we're super excited about what God's doing. And also for our Belmont Heights campus, uh, we are continuing to reach out around the Belmont area, uh, we're looking at kind of seven to nine miles away, but where we can find the best place. And so be praying. We've had a couple of good options uh, come online, and we are so excited to see as God continues to allow us to reach this community for Christ. Uh, guys, God is at work. You know, this summer I'll be leading a team to Kahul, Moldova, with Justice and Mercy International, and we are looking at two other places down in the south for transitional homes. And uh, you guys, we're going to see God reach this entire country for Jesus. And then and in these beautiful orphan children that God has a hope and a future for. And so, church, I love that we get to be on this journey together. 
Uh, you know, we had an amazing Easter at all of our campuses. We had the most people ever uh, at Rolling Hills Community Church. And we saw preschool and children and students. We saw adults. We saw life change happen. You guys, people accepting Christ and wanting to be baptized. And, and man, you are seeing God move in a mighty way. And so I just want to say thank you. Uh, you know, For the Kingdom is giving over and above our tithe. And we did that five months ago on November 4th. It was such a special day. And we committed as a church to give. And now more money has been coming in. And so now we've pledged over $5 million to this For the Kingdom initiative uh, for this new home for Belmont Heights and for Nolensville and this space here. And then also what's happening in Moldova. And if you weren't a part of that, I encourage you, hey, jump in now. You know, join Lisa and I, join our staff, join our, our leaders here, all of us who are giving over and above our tithe and watching God do miracles and watching God impact people's lives. I love that. And I just want to encourage you about that. If we continue to tithe, our tithe goes to meet the, the needs that are happening every day, you know, with the ongoing ministry. And then this is over and above. And so let's continue to be a part of that as well as giving fully to the Lord. I love what God's doing, church. I'm telling you, it is so exciting. There's no place in the world I'd rather be than serving our God right here with you. And I believe our best days are still ahead. And so all glory to our great God. Let's continue because we are better together. Hey, thanks for joining us. Friends, it is so exciting to think about what God is doing here, and there are just some amazing things that are happening. I'm going to ask you guys uh, very fervently to pray for some things that are happening this week. We have some meetings that are scheduled this week that are really important meetings for what the long-term permanent home for our Nolensville campus looks like. And so I'm excited uh, to be able to share with you more details about that a little bit later. You guys are probably like, please tell us everything that you know. Uh, I can't tell you everything that we know right now and everything that we're working on, but trust uh, that there are some amazing things plans. And so if you've not been praying for that, I know and trust that a lot of you have. You've shared that with us and, and reached out. So please continue to do that. In fact, this week, if you would do us a favor and maybe set a reminder just every day to take a few minutes and just to pray for what uh, where these conversations are headed with a uh, long-term permanent home for our Nolensville campus. And we look forward to, to being able to stand up here and share some really specific details with you uh, very, very soon. And for those of you who you know, have already jumped into uh, being a part of For the Kingdom, thank you. Thank you for your giving. Know that it truly matters. And it's making a huge difference in the life of our church and the life of our community. And for those of you that might be new to Rolling Hills or you're still kind of questioning and praying about what your connection to For the Kingdom could be like, would love for you, uh, you know, to consider uh, taking that next step as well. Outside at the welcome table, there's some uh, pamphlets there uh, that kind of continue to outlay, outlay the For the Kingdom vision and would love to, to have as many of you as possible to jump in on that, uh, to just simply trust the Lord and uh, ask Him to do whatever He wants to do in this place. And it's because of you that those things happen. So thank you for that. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your commitment. And thank you for all the ways that you have given. Know that we greatly appreciate you. I'm so thankful to be on this journey with you. Look forward to continuing the series. Look forward to inviting you back and having you back with us next Sunday as we continue our leverage series. And after this service, uh, next Sunday, we will have our church picnic and look forward to a great time of fellowship together as well. Thank you again for being here. You can consider yourself dismissed and we will see you next Sunday. Have a great rest of your week.